Hello and welcome to On the Horizon. This podcast is an extension of Horizon Church, a relationally driven, socially conscious, Jesus-centered church located in the heart of Towson, Maryland. We're recording today from Dean's Studios. Thanks, Bryce. My name is Beth McDonald. I'm your host today, and we'll be talking about being a foster care parent with Nikki Hughes, Jackie McKee, and Christina Koch. Hi, ladies. Welcome. Hello. Thanks so much for coming out and talking to us about how you became foster care parents are in the process of doing that. Um, Why don't you start, Christina, can you tell me, just to start off, like who you live with and how do you spend your days? Sure. I live with my husband of 10 years and our three biological children, and I am pregnant with our fourth. And I spend my days as a walker to school, helping with homework, making meals every two hours <laughs> for hungry kids, and just all the mom duties. Yeah. Yeah. Nikki, I bet that sounds familiar to you. Yes. Tell us um, who you live with and how do you spend your days. So I live with Ben, my husband, and let's see, three biological children, um, one adopted son, and then one foster baby. So um, we spent, let's see, we spend our days getting everyone to school on time or starting school on time and keeping the baby happy and, you know, all the So you homeschool too. I homeschool too. Two older daughters and then you homeschool. I mean, and then the two boys. The two boys go to school. Go to school. And baby stays home with me. Yeah. Great. Yeah. How about you, Jackie? So I live with my husband, Mick, and our daughter, um, biological daughter, and we currently have a toddler in foster care. Um, And I am a kindergarten teacher, Monday through Friday. Um, And then weekends kind of trade off with Mick for watching the kids. Great. So you guys are all very busy. True, true. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) I remember those days. Uh, I want to find out first, like, how did you become first aware of foster care that like your first memory of it being an idea that you would even think about or know about I mean I don't think I as a kid growing up necessarily knew about foster care until I was an adult uh Christina maybe you can tell us um how did it become a part of your thinking So I grew up going to a church in Silver Spring, Maryland, a pretty large church, and there were several families who had either adopted children or were currently fostering. Um, We also volunteered at our local vacation Bible school where there were some kids who came from backgrounds that looked different than ours, Mm -hmm. and I think it always was in the back of my head that this was this different part of the dynamic of a family, Mm -hmm. um, that not everyone was born of the f- mother or father they, that they lived with. Right. So that was kind of where I first, I think, got the idea of what it looked like that maybe there were families that were made up differently. Right. That's interesting. That's that's kind of progressive that your church had that. It was. It was. And I feel like it was also very outspoken. I mean, there were missionaries who were very honest about the makeup of their family, whether mm-hmm. it was biological or adopted. So it was neat. That's great. Yeah. How about you, Nikki? Yeah. Um, I think foster care has always been, like, 
don't know. It's always been an idea, I guess. My dad was adopted, so that kind of played a big part in in our thinking, I guess. And then when I met Ben, we both had um, a desire to adopt eventually. And so um, I think he came home after talking to a coworker who was a foster parent and he started talking about it to me and I was like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, how long so ago, that how was, many years ago was that? That was about eight years ago because hmm. um, Isaiah was a baby then. So that's when the, the actual idea of like, could I possibly do that started, Yeah, I think. What was your hesitation? Well, think? I was ho- Isaiah was a baby, and right. I was holding him in my arms, and I just looked <laughs> at him, and I was like, "I can't give a baby back. That would kill me." Right. Um, right. And I think that was my my biggest hesitation. Yeah. So. Yeah. How about you, Jackie? It was something that kind of came into my heart and like life situation when I was about fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, a family friend already had three children and they wanted to um, adopt some boys like from out of state Mm -hmm. and um, so they did they went through everything like boys were calling them mom and then all of a sudden the boys weren't there anymore Mm -hmm. Um, and as a teenager I was just super impacted by that Um, and that was like my first start of trying to figure out foster care and adoption and things like that and a similar thing happened um, in college when I was going to be a teacher Um, a lot of our college professors are teachers um, in the local school system Mm -hmm. and she was just relating you know off topic one day about a little kindergartner that she had and it was a similar story of he was thriving with the foster parent then the foster mother got pregnant and then he went back into the system and was really struggling at that time for her Um, in her school and so all of those things kind of just weighed heavy on my heart Um, and I was like from the very beginning I was like I don't want my own children I just want to take care of these babies um, and help out the system that's so broken that um, it kind of just stayed current for me so even when um, my husband and I got together even getting married that was like one of the forefront things I was like I don't want my own kids like I want to do foster care I want to eventually adopt through that Um, and so he knew that going into it and we're like all right this is a possibility for us so so you did have a a biological daughter tell, tell me how you got from through that whole process Marriage is compromise. <laughs> um, yes, it is. And so Mick was definitely the more reluctant one. Like, he was definitely like, this is your thing. I will support you. We can do this. Um, but it was also like, oh, man. All right. So maybe we have our own kid. Mm-hmm. We figure out the ups and downs of that first. And that way we don't screw up somebody else's kid that's already <laughs> been through a lot. Um, so we did. So we had Evie. Um, but after her, I was like, okay, like, let's get serious about this. Um, and I want to pursue this, like, actively. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was about, I guess, 18 months. 
Okay. Um, you started going through classes. We did. We started researching, um, doing a lot of that. A lot remember, of digging. I remember talking to so you. So we talked to Nikki, was, yes. She was just a baby. <laughs> yeah. Walking. She was walking. Yeah. And we came over to your house and sat down oh, and yes. said, tell us all the things. <laughs> Nikki's um, the veteran around here. Yes. Saves our life. So, Nikki, tell me how, since you're the veteran here, tell me <laughs> how much. you went from ho- holding Isaiah as a baby saying, I don't see oh, how I could man. do this, to actually... <laughs> Fostering. Um, you've had, how many have you had co- go through your house? I I've lost track now. Yeah, it's, quite a few. It's been. I think at some point it was fifteen, and I kind of just lost track after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So, but they. I mean, most of them have not stayed very long. Right. Like a week or two weeks or um, a month. Yeah. So. So tell me, tell um, me how you got from. I don't think I can do that. To yeah. Um, first, first child. Lots in. of prayer. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't me praying to like want to do it either. It was more of the opposite. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't let's, make me let's do not this. do this. <laughs> but I was reading um, a book called Kisses for Katie. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, it was really good. And then I read, I think it's called Crazy, Crazy Love, or something by Francis. Francis Chan. Chan. Yeah, was Crazy that, Love. That, yeah. yeah, I think it is. And that one really kind of challenges you to like step out and mm-hmm. do. And and after reading the Kisses for Katie book, I, it's I was already like thinking maybe maybe I could consider doing this. And then after reading that book, I was like, all right, well, I I really am supposed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I was still pretty reluctant, and I agreed to just go to like an informational class and hear like, well, how does it work? And then we signed up for the trainings, and um, even like a couple classes in, we we would be driving home, saying like, "Are we sure we want to do this? <laughs> like, can we do this?" Because um, you know, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. involved. That you don't, you really don't know what is going to happen until you're actually in it. But they try to give you as much information as they can when you're there. So what what's the process like? So. First, I think, gosh, it's been a long time. I think you have to send in an application. Um, it's the info session. Yeah. Which is Christina, why don't you jump in here? Because yeah. you're, you're the most recent. Maybe <laughs> No, I remember it. You're, yeah. you're right, though. It's the, you went to an info session, mm-hmm. which I think is just to give you a general idea. Yeah. Um, and then from there, uh, it's a 30 hours of training in Baltimore County. Right. And... You can do it over. I remember when, when we were offered the option to do it, it was 30 hours in one month. So it was mm. a lot of long that Saturdays in June and several weeknights. Mm. And then that part of the certifi- certification is done and then begins the paperwork and the home inspections and fire inspections and lots of interviews as your homeworker yes. gets to know you. They're yeah. essentially compiling a portfolio for you as right. to what kiddo if a kiddo comes into the system would they be a good fit for your family because ultimately we learned a lot that everyone wants it to be a good fit so Mm -hmm. they want to you know if something if obviously church is very important to us if going to church weekly is something that matters to us that needs to be something that um, the foster kiddo can be incorporated into our life doing and then from there it was getting a lot of physicals (laughs) it's just a lot of feels like red tape but 
um, just Somebody checking out the boxes. They really had to like kind of outfit their house. Yes. There were things oh, in yeah. the house that child, a, mm-hmm. child another parent that's not just has kids mm-hmm. in their house wouldn't have to do. Like yeah. what? Like I, special. I mean, <laughs> I always had my like any kind of medication or mm-hmm. um, oh, like lock. like cleaning products. Right. I always had them up higher, but I didn't mm-hmm. like have a physical key, key to okay. lock them up. Oh, interesting. So you must have them locked up. Um, and so I remember that, being amazed that my fridge and freezer had to be a certain temperature. Yes, I just thought really? higher level. Right. Like you're taking a child from what could potentially be a really dangerous situation, and yeah. yet my fridge has to be. Yeah, yeah. And we like did not pass the there. first home inspection oh, because no. well, she was like, I just trust that you'll get the thermometer for the fridge. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's and just, funny. You know, just that being part of the, the system. The temperature that, of your um, water. Like, yeah. They, ch- they ch- oh, like like I can raise water. three children. Yeah. They are yeah. happy. Right. <laughs> but we'll make sure that that's yeah. exactly right. And I get yeah. it. So. Yeah. And then from there, um, once that's all complete, you basically get your certificate that you are open for placement and everything's right. all set to go. And then you get transitioned from a home worker to a social worker because you're assigned social worker for the duration of your time in the yeah, system. Right. I forgot yeah. about that part. Yeah. I remember saying goodbye to our home worker and being like, you're not our person anymore. <laughs> We've really gotten to know you and yeah. you've gotten to know us. Sure. But that's their job and yeah. our sure. social worker now is great. So, yeah. That's fascinating. What is the temperature you're Fridge is supposed to be. I have no yeah. idea what my fridge is temperature is. You definitely can't Freezer's turn it all like... the way up on the yeah. hot water heater. It has to be like in the middle somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> do they yes. come back and double like so once they, you're in the system? They do they come, come back and year. check those things? Mm-hmm. They come once a year and they check all. Oh, that was the other thing. Mm-hmm. You have to have a a smoke detector in every single bedroom mm-hmm. and the hallway. Mm-hmm. That that's like a that's for a everybody now. We had some work done on our mm-hmm. house, and when the inspector came to look at. Something that had that? nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. He checked Every single and room. said we yeah. to pass the inspection for something that was going on in the basement. Oh, we had to have smoke, smoke detectors in every bedroom. Yeah. 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 So when, when it goes off, it, it gets yeah, yeah, really yeah. loud. <laughs> but they come back and check that. They come okay. back and they, it's not really like an interview, but they sit down and talk to you mm-hmm. about how things are going. And, um, and then they check all the smoke detectors. And you have to hand in physicals every two years mm. and we have to have um 10 years of i'm sorry 10 credits mm-hmm. or hours of training every year oh so, so you have to you have mm-hmm. to keep up keep on our training yeah what kind of things do they train you in what 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 do the classes look like it's a lot of behavioral classes i think and how kind of how to deal with that um What's the one that's mandatory? The trauma. Is it? Yeah, they have trauma ones, which mm-hmm. if they have them, take them because you really need to know about that. Sure. Um, what is the one that mine always asks? I forget what it's I called. Know. I think it's behavioral, but oh, maybe it's discipline, maybe. They're very big on like what you can and cannot do sure. as far as like how to correct sure a foster child so. sure mm-hmm. which they should be but yeah it's yeah they so they have several trainings on that kind of stuff too huh did you feel like did you feel prepared no i mean 
<laughs> Do you I feel, feel like, like they were they prepared? <laughs> I don't you? think you could be prepared. Right? Does anyone feel prepared when they bring home like yeah. a newborn baby from the hospital? Right. Yeah. They prepared I mean, me yeah. as best as they could, but I don't right. think you can really be prepared until you're experienced it. Right. And then had a chance to like refigure things out. Sure. How you might handle that the next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it was very similar to bringing a baby home from the hospital Mm -hmm. because, like, they've talked to you. You've gone to your classes. You've babysat for the last, like, 20 years of your life. (laughs) Like, all those things. But still you get home, and that first night you're like, who let me come home with this baby? (laughs) Whose terrible idea was this? And so it was very similar. So it's like even though I've already had a child, even though I've gone through these classes, even though they've done everything they can – it's still like it's a whole nother child. It's a whole nother situation right. every time, and it's going to be different. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you just kind of have to be super flexible with it. Sure. So yeah. and just so so set Jackie, your tell me about low. your your first placement and what that first night was like. Um. So our first placement, um, we had gotten so many calls you know, that we were saying yes to, but just the way they distribute. Um, In Pennsylvania, everything is privatized, so there's not just the Department of Human Welfare kind of thing. It's all these private agencies. Um, And so when children and youth makes a call, they call maybe three different agencies. And then those agencies get out their binders of everybody's profiles and then call, you know, three different people. So by the time you get a call the child may already be placed okay um and things like that so we had really we had been probably like six months actively saying yes to calls Mm -hmm. um and considering different things and had had you said you want a specific age we do so in our case they kind of give you a list of like things that you're fine with things that make you kind of nervous and things you're not okay with Mm -hmm. um everything from like bedwetting to you know angry outbursts and cursing to cruelty to animals Mm -hmm. like they lay out the whole list of possibilities for you and that goes in your profile um and so we had said in ours since we had a two-year-old daughter Mm -hmm. oh three at the time we moved it up to three um that we wanted we didn't care male or female, but we wanted under two just to protect Evie sure. um, in that situation. And so we even crazily said that siblings would be fine as long as they were under three. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like they take a little bit of liberty with that, and they just want to throw things out there. Mm-hmm. So we got a call then for a four-and-a-half-year-old, which, again, was above our list, right. but she had autism. And then a three and a half year old with severe speech delays. Mm-hmm. Um, siblings. Siblings. So right. two sisters, they were in our area. Um, so for us, visits is a big thing because they could be an hour away, mm-hmm. they could be in a different county, and mm-hmm. all kinds of different mm-hmm. things um, just based on where we are. Um, so we said yes because we're like, okay, so even if they're physically older, Evie growing up in this environment, they're still kind of intellectually mm-hmm. the same age, um, which turned out to be true. Um, so we said yes, and I think within two hours, they're at our door, and the wow. case, the children and youth case walker came and was like, okay, here they are. 
and it was just like me and my husband were like, wait, don't don't you have to tell us things? Aren't you supposed to like fill us in on this stuff? Yeah. I'm like, this is literally our first placement. And he goes, oh, okay. And he like sits down and talks with us then. Um, So it was very overwhelming. Um, At the time, Evie had just broken her leg. Oh, no. Um, So I just remember sitting there and like watching these two girls like run around my house like Tasmanian devils just so completely fine and at home um they never had secure attachments and we found out later um their parents had been in boarding houses and different mm. things so they were just used to people coming in and out and sure. were totally fine with it um and so they're just running around my house and my daughter is just sitting on the couch with her little like broken leg and just staring and like okay, what are we doing? Um, well, how did, how, yeah. you know, she was three? She had just turned three. So what, what do you say? How do you communicate that to her? Um, What's going on? We basically say, um, you know, these girls are going to live with us for a little while. Their mommies and daddies can't take care of them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take care of them for a little while while they're here. Um, and then when their mommies and daddies are better, they can take them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was enough for her at three. Sure. And she, like, very quickly were like, these are my sisters, Aww. you know. Like, they live in our house, and this is their bedroom, and this is my bedroom, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, we've since had just a respite care that was only here for a week. Um, and then now with our foster son, she does ask, like, is he going to go back with his mommy and daddy soon? Yeah. Yeah, like, she's she's like, wait, what is this? Yeah. Is he going to stay with us forever? So, like, she's starting to question more than she did at three. Right. So it's almost harder yeah. as she got older to right. understand. Um, Was your intent, is your intent to adopt? Is your, yes. How does that work? Um, Do you with, tell them? Yeah, so with our agency, you could start from the beginning and say, we just want to foster. We'll only be the temporary, and if it goes to adoption, someone else will take the child. Um, They also do legal risk, is what they call it. Um, And you have the risk that this child is going to go back Mm -hmm. with their family or kinship or something else. Um, But you would foster to adopt. that child that's been in your home okay. since you have that relationship with them. Right. And then they gave the option, like, all in the same classroom on our information sessions and different things, um, those who just want to purely adopt from children that are already available. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would start out by fostering for a little while, making sure things are going well, and then move towards adoption if they're okay. legally free. Right. right. So... How about you guys? Are you fostering to foster or foster to adopt? Or So we have always been foster to adopt. Um, so I think we'll probably keep it that way. I've had some friends that just fostered. Um, but I definitely think that would be really hard to have because it takes about, at least it seems like in Baltimore County, it takes about three years to get to that point mm. so to have a child in my home for three years and then have them move would be really really challenging I think right. for all of us especially for the child what was your so. your first foster child <laughs> my first experience first <laughs> um it was a little baby boy um he was 
I knew he wasn't staying. I knew he was um, being transferred across state lines mm. to a biological father. So um, it was kind of good to start off that way, to know that he wasn't going to stay and mm-hmm. just, like, kind of get the idea of how things worked and everything. So he was sweet. But, yeah, they, they um, called me in the afternoon, and by 6 p.m. he was at my door just in a blanket and a diaper and everything smelled like pretty terrible Mm. that they like sometimes they don't come with anything he came with a diaper bag but I mean but he was sweet and he slept well and he yeah he was a sweet little guy but how long did you have him do you remember it ended up being two weeks okay and it was it was really strange taking him to the agency because I handed him over to his dad mm. for the first time like his dad had never seen him wow. and so I was like okay here's your baby like mm-hmm. it was very strange but it was nice to know that he was going somewhere safe and that someone you know well, like know. could take good care of him and everything so yeah yeah it was it was nice to have that be my first case mm-hmm. to like ease right. me into <laughs> right the idea right so. So, Christina, you are still, wait, have you had some kit, like, respite care? We have, yes. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So, our foster journey looked slightly different in that after we became certified in, I guess it was December of 2018, we immediately went on hold because our family was in the process of, my husband was in the process of finishing grad school. We were about to move, like, sell our house and move, and it was a lot of transition. Right that we were asking our kids and, you know, any kiddos coming in. So we immediately went on hold, which you can do at any process in your foster care life. And But friends of ours who are also in our church had um, had two kids with them at the time, and they were leaving the country, and they asked us if we would provide respite. Mm-hmm. And a respite is essentially every foster care family gets, I think it's either one or two weeks of um, a time when they can either – just kind of take a break or if they're leaving the country or for whatever reason, another foster care family in the system will watch their kids for them. So their kiddos came with us for a week and it was kind of like Nikki. We knew that they had a great home that they would Mm -hmm. be going back to a great foster family. And, um, but (laughs) there was still the transition that they were with a new family. So it was this, it was a brother and sister and I don't think she slept the first night. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I slept on her floor. Um, but we just knew this was, you just don't know what right. you don't know. And we were willing to say yes to to what we had decided we were going to do. After that, it was, um, it was great. I feel like it was really neat to see our biological kids interact with these two friends. But then they were living with us, mm-hmm. and we still got to talk to them about you know, why they were with us for the week right. and what that meant, how, you know, we're a helper family this week. And um, and then it was really neat to to just kind of experience the week with them. I feel like it was also a little different because they had come from, like I said, a stable foster environment. So they mm-hmm. kind of came with their own schedules. I okay. mean, I took yeah. a little girl to her soccer game, <laughs> which was neat. Yeah. But I think a little outside the realm of what would normally be Normal the foster right. care situation. After that, we went back on hold. We have since moved. Uh, my husband graduated. <laughs> and we're back um, open for a placement for long-term respite and then also uh, just respite care in general. Okay. While you're 
you're while expecting. I'm pregnant. Yes, and then when we have the baby, we'll probably go back on hold for another portion of time until we're ready. You're ready for another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we would love to adopt. We always thought we would have a somewhat large family, so we'd be open to adding one or two more. I so say that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your thought is foster to adopt it with is. The, with that mm-hmm. option. Is that where you are too, Jackie? Foster to adopt? Yeah. I think you hold that very loosely. Yeah. But kind of drill into your head at the meetings. Don't expect. But I think all of us who long to care for children hope hope. that there would be a permanency. Right. Right. Especially once, I mean, once they're in your home and Mm -hmm. you're starting to, like, bond with them. Mm -hmm. Each day gets harder to think about them leaving. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though we're supposed to, like, really work towards that reunification with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think getting to know the family sometimes makes it even harder because then you know what environment they would possibly mm-hmm. go, go back, back to. Yeah, so. You said you've had more than 15, and you've, out of those, you've adopted one, right. which means you've given a lot of, ba- well, a lot of them babies back. Several of those were respite. Okay. Like, um, they either were coming to me and then going to a permanent foster family Mm -hmm. or coming from a foster family and going back to that foster family so okay several of those were like that um but yeah there's been a a couple that um we did have to get back but um how do you how do you do how do you do that I don't I'm not sure (laughs) um and then do it again yeah that's the thing. You, you do it once. Right. You get through it, but then to set yourself up to maybe do yeah. it again. Yeah. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't have a good answer for that one. I think Ben and I decided early on, like, what did we say? Um, that it was it would be better for them and it would be better for us to, to know them and love them, even if we have to lose them mm-hmm. at the end. So, um, and it's, for them to have that experience of a loving family and home, even if it's a short time, right. um, is still better for them. So we try to like remind ourselves of that part <laughs> a yeah. lot, but yeah. And pray that, you know, God is in control of that baby's life and mm-hmm. that he's going to make sure that they're taken care of. And so far I've, it's been really cool to see, um, several of the babies that, um, I've gotten to see the end or not the end for them but like I've gotten to see them adopted mm. or um, the one baby went home with his family but then he ended up back in foster care and I got to see him when he was like two years old mm. I ran into them at um, at an event and got to know that um, that family was going to adopt him nice. so it was pretty yeah. cool to see that like God took care of him whether right. he was with me or not so. how kind of the yeah. Lord to let you see that yeah, and yeah. Know that. it was definitely a blessing so. yeah. yeah we um with our agency being private right like they were very like non-biased and all the trainings and things like that um but in the binder they gave us um it was actually through a Lutheran mm. kind of organization and so they just stuck this little like terribly photocopied um kind of blog post I guess and it just changed my world um 
And it was all about how this girl, as a teenager, was a foster family. And so she had this 18-month-old girl. Like, since she was, like, three months old, Mm -hmm. she had learned to, you know, crawl and walk and talk with this family. And at 18 months, you know, the mom had decided, instead of putting her up for adoption, that she wanted her back. Mm -hmm. And so she, as a teenager, was the one holding the baby when the social worker came to get her back. And she was like... I, like, refused to be the, you know, first one to let go, and she didn't help the social worker at all. Mm -hmm. Like, she was just that, you know, heartbroken about it. And in her story, she's like, but what I didn't see was what God had planned. And, you know, this little girl had, you know, started going to church with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Her mother had kind of built a relationship with the biological mother. Like, so then, you know, when this foster child they had had siblings like they all came to church with her Mm -hmm. and like eventually this family grew to know Christ because of her foster care and so she's like in all of this I've learned to stop praying you know God make it better God make it better Mm -hmm. you know but to say instead um God make it count Mm -hmm. like so whatever you know whatever time we have with these kids God make it count and you know, that was just such a mind-blowing thing to me. Um, even in our classes, was like mm-hmm. I initially was like, nope, I want the babies. I want to take care yeah. of all the babies. Right. But then I just realized, I'm like, there are so many people out here who did not have good families, right. who didn't have their own support system growing up, who were in foster care when they were kids, mm-hmm. and they have no model for this. And there's so many parents now who don't know how to parent. And it was more to us that we were like, wow, like – it's not an us versus them right. mentality, but like, how can we also help these parents learn how to be better parents to mm-hmm. their kids if that is yeah. what happens? And that God is redeeming not only the children, but the parents through it. And it was just, I just love it. I sit down in my basement and I just mm-hmm. like read this yeah. over and over again and just weep like. You can send that to me. Yes. yes. <laughs> so good. Because I need a constant reminder of sure. like. Yeah. Because you do see the parent. I mean, I see um, our foster baby's parent almost weekly, and mm-hmm. I spend probably a good hour with her. And so um, some days are easier than others, for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> like right. reminding myself of that kind of stuff. Like I'm right. not just influencing the baby, but the family as well. Right. And, what a beautiful um, picture mm-hmm. of yeah. kind of standing in the gap for someone. Right. Not mm-hmm. only for the child, but for the parents. Even after adoption, you still, like, we have an open adoption, so we still see our son's biological family um, a couple times a year. So it's, you're you're not just gaining a child. <laughs> right. You're getting yeah. right. an extended family. So it's, you know, some a lot of good, but, you know, there's also some challenges yeah. in yeah. that. Yeah. So. So, Jackie, I know the first two girls you had didn't moved on. Tell me a little bit about that. So we we really did have a bonkers first case. Um, Parents had just restraining orders against each other. Mm. So instead of just having like one or two visits a week, we had four visits a week. Mm. Each parent had their own separate visits that we had to coordinate. 
um, because the girls had known disabilities, they were then, they had an IEP, mm-hmm. which is like a legal binding document that these girls need so many services per month. And so we not only had to abide by, you know, the court saying you have to go and visit these right. parents four times a week, you also have to take them to preschool. And they have to go to preschool certain hours a mm-hmm. week. And you can't, you know, it can't be like, oh, we're going to miss preschool today. Right. It's like, this is it legit. You need yeah. to go. Um, within, you know, so many weeks, they have to go to the doctor. They have to mm-hmm. go to the dentist and an eye doctor. And it's like all these things. I'm like, I haven't even taken my own child right. to, like, the dentist or the eye doctor right. yet. And so just all these legal requirements for you to jump through. Um, and we were just very very overwhelmed um we thankfully had an amazing um lawyer for the girls that if she hadn't sent an email in week two like we would have been like we're done like we can't tap it out we can't do this at all but she sent this email back and it was just the most wonderful thing to have somebody else see how much hardship you Mm -hmm. were going through and they're like uh, we need to get the McKees some help. Someone needs to get on this because they are going to be so exhausted after all of this. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I mean, again, it could go both ways, but children and youth's goal is to reunite with them with family. Right. So the children and youth worker was trying to be like, oh, they have this half-sibling that they've never met in their entire life. We should arrange visits with this. Or their aunt wants to see them. We should make visits with this. And our lawyer had to be like, you've got to be kidding me. No, we can meet with the parents, but our job is to keep their life stable. We're not going to reintroduce any more visits. So it was a lot. And we were super struggling. I got, so we got them the second day of school. Um, for me as a first year teacher, yes, on the second day of school. So with all the stress of just being a first year teacher all over again, after having my daughter, um, we found out that the girls were all within 18 months of each other, um, which it was, it was like having triplets, three year old triplets and they're all girls and the three nature-ness was real. (laughs) Um, and it was also really difficult for Evie to see that, like, these kids weren't younger than her. They weren't babies that she needed to be gentle around and that she could understand. But we had to also teach her, like, even though they're bigger than you, they don't understand, and they're still learning how to do mm-hmm. these things. So there was a lot of conflict within the girls um, that was really hard to kind sure. of make developmentally appropriate for my three-year-old. Um so we got to the end of September then. We had had them for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we had finally gotten, like, transportation to help, and other things were falling in line. But we were still just drowning. Yeah. Um, and I know I, like, reached out to Nikki um, and Kara as well and was just like, okay, so tell me, like, is this normal? Is this going to get better in a week or two mm-hmm. and we're going to be fine? Mm-hmm. Is this normal? Um, our caseworker that was assigned to us was also having some medical issues of her own wow. personal going on. So we didn't have her support as much as we should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, gr- the girls were tough. They, were, they tough. were tough. They were sweet as can be, yeah. like... Super sweet girls, but just a lot of special needs Mm -hmm. in addition to all the foster care needs, in addition to our own family dynamics of jobs and things like that. So we were going on vacation in October with all of Mick's family. 
And the thought of taking these girls to a beach, like, terrified me. I'm like, there's no boundaries. There's no fences. We can't, like, we can't right. go on a beach. They have no idea, <laughs> yeah. you know, how to stay because they never they never have boundaries. And they mm. could go to whoever they want. They would hug anyone. Mm. Like, it was really dangerous. Um, so we... We asked for respite care for that week. Sure. And we're like, okay, we have got to pray about this. We have got to figure out whether if we just get a refresher, we'll be fine and we can handle it together or whether this isn't, this isn't healthy for us Mm -hmm. and not every placement is the right placement. And that's what was so helpful to hear from other foster parents. Like it's not, it's not always going to go well. It's not always like your yes in the beginning isn't held accountable because mm-hmm. you, you don't know these things. You don't know it until they're in your house. Um, so we actually reached out. There was, when we took our foster care classes, um, we took them up in York, and we're about 30 minutes away from York. Totally, completely Jesus. There was another couple from Glenville, which is this tiny little podunk town that we live in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I noticed that you wrote this down. So we're like, oh, maybe we can get them because they'll be local for dad's visits. Right. They had already gotten a placement of three kids. So we're like, oh, my gosh, can we get anyone else that we know to take these girls for a week? And so our social worker reached out to a couple that was in our class. Mm -hmm. And they were like, they originally were like, no, we only want to adopt. Like, they didn't want to have to go through the heartbreak of sending them back and dealing with parents. They just wanted 100% their own kids. Um, And so they were like, oh, no, I don't know about this. And then they're like, wait, Mick? Wasn't he the guy for things? And thankfully, Mick is very Everybody memorable. Everybody remembers Mick. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll do it for Mick and Jackie. They're cool. Yeah. Like, they're chill. And we can do anything for a week. And so by Wednesday of that week of finally getting time to spend in prayer and, like, refresh us, sure. we realized that we could not keep doing this. And it was very hard for me because for 15 years, my identity had been – I'm going to be a foster parent, and I'm going to love those kids, and I'm going to make sure that I am the one constant in their lives, you know. And I had gone into foster care because of people who had given their kids back Mm. and how much that damaged them and how much I knew that as an educator. And for me then to say, I have to give these kids back Mm. was just – it was a lot of pride and, like – forgiveness and less judgment on those families Mm -hmm. and – just really realizing that it wasn't good. And so when we got back, like the girls had just thrived Mm. in that environment where they were able to be one-on-one with them. And they were saying so many more words. It was like a toddler just explodes in a week, you know? And so like I came home on Sunday and we got them back and I was expecting to feel all this guilt and it wasn't, it wasn't Mm. there. And it was like, oh, oh my God. This is what they're supposed to have. Like me trying to like stick it out right. and keep doing this because I said I would, would deprive them of mm. the environment they needed. And so that was last November they started with them. Um, so the respite family ended up saying, yes, we'll take yeah. them. And so in three short weeks, they got the girls. Um, and they are doing wonderful. Like oh, So good. the ones going to kindergarten, um, they're halfway there to getting right. parental rights terminated. And so eventually, hopefully, hopefully They'll soon, wow. they will adopt them and wow. that'll be their forever family. Aww. And so it's just one of those things that we're like, 
okay, they called us because of our proximity to where dad was, which is 30 minutes away from York where they live right. now. And it's like the, this family would have said no. They only wanted adopted, right. but they said yes because they knew us. And it's like, so we were just the stepping so, stone right. for dad them. Dad knew. We'll put him with he Jackie and Max. 100% knew, right. mm. you know, that this, this was the way to get them right. there. And right. so it was really hard. It was really crazy. Yeah. But there's 100% like, okay, he had something different in mind than we did. And, you know, he, like, he loves those kids more than Mm -hmm. we even do. Like, so he wanted what was best for them. Was was it, so you have a child now that you're fostering. Mm -hmm. Was it hard to gear back up? Were you nervous or were you anxious to jump back in or... I was just to, like, rip the Band-Aid off and, like, get back into it and make sure we just weren't complete and total failures in foster (laughs) care. And this was not a good idea from the beginning. But we did. Like, we felt, like, all along, like, okay, God is the one that, like, directed us to this agency. And even, like, our classes and things aligned the way they should have. Um, And then this time we did a respite care for a week. And that, again, was two siblings. And we're like, why? Why do we do this? We should have learned our lesson. Um, But within hours of having them, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is so different. This Mm. is so much different than our first placement. Like, we could do this. Two is really hard, and we don't want to do two. We want to just do one. But this is is a better fit for us Mm -hmm. already, we could tell. Um, And then when we got the call for him – Again, this time I made it to the second week of school before we got a child (laughs) in our laps. Um, But having him, I mean, it was day one that I was, like, holding him at the door and saying, oh, my gosh, it's going to be so hard to let him go. Like, he had already just made such a mark on our hearts. Um, He only has two visits a week, and he's already had all his medical stuff taken (laughs) care of. He doesn't have to go to preschool or get special ed services. How old is he? So he will be two in November. Um, And again, just age-wise for Evie, it was a lot better. Mm -hmm. That she can see he's younger. She can tell that he doesn't understand these things. Right. And so she thoroughly appreciates now that she gets to teach him and boss him around. (laughs) So... Wow, good for you for hanging in there. Christina, how do these stories make you feel? When you haven't you haven't quite jumped in yet. I know, no. It's <laughs> it's exciting, it's daunting. It's kind of yeah. like you try and amass all this information and there's just ninety nine percent you don't know. Mm-hmm. And there's a humility in that, mm-hmm. but there's also like I totally understand the ripping the band aid off. Like there's this desire when you kind of mark as wanting to do this, as just, like, wanting to do it. Like, well, yeah. let's just do it. Yeah. But then also having the grace with yourself. Um, so I feel like it's very encouraging and also kind of liberating to hear mm-hmm. just the hardships, but also that every story is different right. and that you're not a failure because the Lord, like, knows the path of the child right. and right. whether they're with you for a day. It's just – it's encouraging – but also daunting. Yeah. yeah. No, I would. As is anything new, and I feel like should be if you're stepping right. out, like right. in faith. Right. I it think is. it is a leap. Of I wouldn't faith. expect it, it to a, be a trust that you have to yeah. jump into. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's every placement is that too. Like mm-hmm. every placement, you don't know what you're about to get. Mm-hmm. You don't right. know what it's about to be like, so you have to like mm-hmm. just trust that God's gonna <laughs> yeah make up make up for the 
Mm-hmm. So d- I, you ended up, Nikki, you guys ended up adapting mm-hmm. Micah. Yeah. Do you remember the first day you got him? I do, yeah. Yeah. Tell tell me, what did he show up with? Because does do they just show up with whatever the parents already had? Yeah, whatever the parents are willing to hand over, okay. they will bring to you. Okay. So he came with a stroller and a, okay. a packed diaper bag. Like he wow. came fully like, um, yeah, he had all the things he needed for that. You know, okay. the next like day or whatever. Yeah. How old was he? He was four months old. And um, they had called me, I think, the day before and said, we have a baby. But they always have a, a family meeting beforehand. And they so they meet with the family and the social workers. And, um, and they call me and say, this is a possibility. Are you willing to take this child if they come into care? So they called me, and I said yes. And then the next day they called and... A lot of times they'll say, oh, no, the baby went with a, um, a grandmother or something. Okay. But mm-hmm. this time they were like, no, we're going to bring him. And I was like, okay. So he, um, I remember the, the social worker pulled him out of the car and set his carrier down on the, um, on the sidewalk. And I, I flipped it around, and he just smiled at me. Like, <laughs> it was like... My goodness, like, <laughs> was so sweet, and just the fact that he was smiling was like yeah. Okay. Right. So, yeah, and it, I mean, he That's was precious. He was a good baby. I mean, he had lots of like health issues and mm-hmm. stuff like that in the beginning, but very sweet when he was little. But <laughs> yeah, tell mm-hmm. tell us. I know it's a long story. It his adoption. <laughs> it's a long, very <laughs> long story. Wait, you tell us like how many years and so. We some of the struggles. There were his case was definitely an emotional roller coaster. Um, There were lots of things that happened. His mom passed away a couple months into it. Mm -hmm. Um, His dad was kind of in and out of prison. They had an aunt and uncle that showed up like probably six months into it, and were trying to get him. transferred to their state which takes a long time if they try to transfer them from across state lines um and in that process we got to know the aunt and uncle and they were they were really good people so I had like started to come to terms with like okay this would be he will be loved and taken care of there and and just about the time that I was like like kind of preparing myself for you know like when he leaves they dropped out of the um mm. wow. <laughs> I mean for a, they had a pretty good reason and I don't fault them for it but um it kind of restarted everything mm. in his case because a week later his dad got out of prison so we kind of like started over and we started doing visits with the dad mm-hmm. and everything and um his dad was showing up pretty regularly in the beginning and then he kind of disappeared for a while and I think Micah was he had just turned three, and we were going to court. Um, he, let's see, his dad hadn't showed up like a couple weeks ahead of time for court, and so they had rescheduled, and we were going in, and he, it didn't look like he was coming that day either. But I turned around and saw him walk through the door, oh, no. and Did I like panicked. Like, yeah. I saw the... 
um, each baby has an, a, their own attorney, and I saw his face, and he saw my face, mm. and it was like he knew exactly like what I was thinking. Yeah. I was just like, oh, we're going to start all over again. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, God had other plans for that day, <laughs> and we um, ended up walking out of the courthouse with a signed agreement for an open adoption that wow. day. So wow. it was amazing. So God turned it yeah. around. Yeah, he did. He really did. <laughs> so that was a short, short yeah. version of the no, story. No, I remember. <laughs> I mean, that was three years of his life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ups and downs. So prayers make a huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. And then we had a big party yep, we at had church a when party. he was adopted. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. so with an open adoption, he sees his dad a couple times a year. Is yeah. that what? He sees. How does, um, how does he talk about that I mean he's what is he six yet he's five he's six he's six. six yep he's six so he um I think he still doesn't fully understand and I kind of answer questions as they come up mm-hmm. um we we just kind of started calling him I we gave him a, you know we said daddy and and his actual name so that Ben right I mean Micah didn't get him confused with like who I was talking about and he sees his grandma every time he sees his dad Mm -hmm. so um he knows her he I mean he doesn't ask a lot of questions right now he's just kind of like I don't know he's still trying to figure it all out and you can tell after every visit he has like um kind of a meltdowns for a couple days Mm -hmm. just because he just doesn't understand why and he doesn't really know right. the right questions to ask sure. at this point sure. so um but you could he knows something is different and something's off and it right. definitely like triggers this emotion mm-hmm. from him yeah so depending on how the visits go kind of determines how long the, mm. <laughs> the meltdowns will help yeah. happen so we've yeah. kind of learned how to navigate the visits we always need to like have a open space where he can like get away when he needs to and yeah, interesting. limit the amount of people that the grandma invites because she really wants to invite the entire family sure and and that makes it much worse because he's just like kind of goes into this little shell when he when all these people are there that he doesn't know but they know him and kind right. of like mm-hmm. expect something sure. from him sure so that was yeah and that'll probably cha- change as yeah. he grows but yeah but he he does like i mean he always talks about his grandma and his dad in a in a good way because it's always a good like mm-hmm. the actual visit it always goes well it's just the aftermath is usually yeah. the hard part so let me ask you and any any one of you could answer this what has surprised you the most in good ways or challenging ways, what what has surprised you about the? And it could be about yourself, about your kit, your you know your family, or about the system. Or I think what surprised me most is how I um, can go into like especially the first time meeting the biological family, I can go into it with such like a, this is normal mm. and everything's fine kind of attitude yeah. and, and feel totally comfortable when it's so uncomfortable. Right. Mm. Um, 
because that that idea terrified me in the beginning like I have to sit in a room with the biological parents that's scary right um and the fact that they've been which is not the case for everyone but all the parents that I've dealt with have been thankful and kind really and even if they don't mean it they're nice to my face (laughs) like it's it's been a much better experience than I thought it would Mm be yeah so where do you think that that you think that's comes from your faith your ability to handle it oh yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. please god help me through this one <laughs> cuz i definitely especially the first visit i kind of go in like that nervous feeling like okay what's this what's this one going to be like mm-hmm. but um it, it is so far been all all of it has been good just mm. i mean what you hear and what you see is sometimes crazy, but but I don't react the way I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I can like just be calm and sure, <laughs> just sure. take it all in. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Sounds like God's grace to you. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely. I've been surprised with how much it affects so many other areas Hmm. of my life like I thought it would just be like yeah we just take this kid in and he or she is a part of our family and we just keep on going and there's just so much of it that like God is using just to teach me other things and like a lot of it is my grace for others Mm -hmm. because you have so much grace to this tiny little terror essentially that comes into your house because you know what they've been through and you know that they've had horrible things happen and they've been taken away from the only people they've known. So of course they're going to act this way. And then you just hear God whispering, like, just because you know it doesn't like, and you know it in these kids doesn't mean you still don't have to do it with people that you don't know. And it's like, you have no idea the people that you deal with on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. what they've been through through. and you have expectations for them to act a certain way and they're just completely thrown off yeah. because you're like, no, that like they have the same things that have happened to them and we just don't know it. And kind of applying that grace in all those different relationships mm-hmm. that you come into that you weren't expecting. Right. Um, right. And working with um, five-year-olds and in a school system, sure. just realizing like, holy moly, like child services only takes a small percentage like there are so many kids out there in very similar situations Mm -hmm. going through a lot of the same things that haven't been reported yet right and just thinking about all those kids that I interact with on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and all the times they're acting out you know what is the you know force behind it at home and things like that so it definitely changes you know the shape of the world that you take in mm-hmm. and realize what's going on around you so that's been surprising to yeah. me I didn't think yeah. it was going to be so enlightening I thought right. I was the changer not the changee yes. so <laughs> yeah so it's changed you yeah interesting um if you could change the system in some way what would you change So every state is different, mm-hmm. but I would put 
a time limit on it for everybody. I feel like I know they need to give parents lots of opportunity and everything, but I think if they knew, like, you have 12 months or 18 months mm-hmm. to, to change this, mm-hmm. they would have more motivation to change it. Interesting. And right now, they don't have a time limit, so there's no, like... Wow. They can just... You know, they say that there's a, a time, like they say, between 15 and 22 months that they want a permanency plan for the child. But that doesn't mean that they're going to, like, end all these visits or that, that the child will be adopted. It just means they're changing some paperwork at mm-hmm. the courthouse. So I think if they had a timeline and a motivation to like right let's get this done and it would be better for the child as well because they would have a permanent plan before there are three or six right. like it could go on forever yeah. so I think that's what I would change some states have that or some I just went to the um, national foster care conference and I was hearing other people talking about this 12 to 18 month thing and I was like what's that so some of this I don't know what state Mm -hmm. it was but some of the states do like it's it's 12 months to 18 months and that's it like yeah it's done so feels like it would be healthier for everybody right Mm -hmm. like you would know like it wouldn't go on forever and ever like I know people that have five-year-olds that have had them since birth and it's still not done like still not it's not fair to that child Mm -hmm. it's not fair to the family it's not you know like Pennsylvania has just recently, like before we got trained, changed it over and made their 22-month limit more strict. And so they can't keep widening it as much because they're realizing what that does. And it does. It leaves eight-year-olds in limbo that, well, they were in a stable place when they were six, but now, you know, all these visits have gone on. So I do feel like it was moving in a healthier direction, mm-hmm. um, and our caseworkers were definitely more more excited about that. Well, yeah, because they have right. a tremendous amount of caseworkers. Sure, I mean, yeah. they want things that they, resolved. I mean, they just, yeah. it's not like, best interest too. if it takes three years plus to get one off off your load, but you're still getting them mm-hmm. daily, or, we, wow. you know, right. like, they have way too much work than they can actually accomplish sure. in a reasonable amount of time. Sure. So. That makes sense. Which also causes the child to suffer. I just feel like yeah. they say, always say, like, what's best for the child, but the system is not set up mm-hmm. for what is best for the child. So mm. it needs a lot of change. You know, all three of you have talked about your faith and how it's played a part. I'm just, uh, how would the, how has your faith, kind of sustained you or motivated you or caused you to go down this road? I think for me, just starting out, I I feel like I've always had this pull of like caring for the least of these mm-hmm. and that the Lord didn't mean that hypothetically. He meant like, what does it look like to go care for the marginalized? Right. And I think at the end of the day, it breaks my heart to, to know that there are kids going to sleep like not knowing that God loves them Mm -hmm. like that God has a purpose for them like not even (laughs) yes kids should go to bed with a full belly and like not a bruise on their body 
Yeah. But the fact that, like, they're so dearly loved and created, I think, like, breaks my heart. So I think my, I don't know, like, to go back to, like, why my faith plays into it, it, I can't imagine not wanting to help a child when they're the 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 victim of everything the system of you know a broken system right. a parent who didn't learn how to parent it's devastating i think for me it's um i couldn't do this without trusting that god is in control of mm-hmm. it because i like the thought of not knowing like if a child went back where they are or what's happening to them at that point, like that's kind of terrifying to me. So knowing like that I can pray about it and believe that God is taking care of that child and loves them more than I do. Um, was, yeah. Very important. <laughs> but I remember right. like every night putting my kid to bed and just praying about it and just having to, give it to God and trust him and right. no matter what the social worker had said that day and how emotional I felt about it God is still in control of that right. and just believing that and reminding myself all the time For sure <laughs> yeah so mine is along the same lines yeah. like I am an early childhood person right. and I knew you know, I wanted to be a teacher forever, and I knew I was going to go to college, and I knew when I had my child I was going to handle discipline in this way, and we were going to have a bedtime routine, and we were going to do the three Bs every night. And it's like <laughs> all the things around children in my life have been so routine and strict, and I've been in control of it all. Mm-hmm. And having a foster kid come to my house and literally not knowing, like, okay, so does the mom normally rock them to sleep Aww, or do we yeah. read a book or do I have to pat them first yeah. or do I just lay them down and walk out? Like that to me is like the silliest thing, but that's like immediately what I'm like, how do I, what, how do I keep the routines? Sure. And it's like, mm. they probably have never had a routine in their life. Mm. Like, and so it's all those things of just like, I am not in control and God is in control of this. God knows where this child is going to end up, whether it's going to be with me, whether it's another family, whether Mm. it's going to be back to their family, and he redeems them. Like, he's given me grace for each day Mm. to handle this, and that's so uncomfortable for me. And I want the plan, and I want to know, you know, in three months (laughs) we're going to court, and this is what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden the dad walks in, and you're like, oh, (laughs) everything I've ever dreamed of is now completely gone. And it turns out the opposite. So it's just so much out of your control. And while that's daunting, because I think that's the best word to describe foster care ever. Like, it's daunting. Mm -hmm. It's not terrible. It's not horrible. It's not exciting every day. It is a heavy, heavy, daunting thing. But you're given this grace for each day. And you're relying on him this child is relying on him and it's nothing that you can do of your own power to save these kids and it's really uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. but it's really good i just think all three of you are so brave and are such warriors in the kingdom fighting for the little ones it's just amazing to me and beautiful i'm curious as to how has horizon helped horizon church 
or the church in general, Big C, um, and how can we do better? So, um, obviously, Horizon has prayed and prayed and prayed for, <laughs> so specifically much. for Micah. Um, so that was a long journey with lots of bumps. And, I mean, you guys brought meals and, you know, just listened to me. <laughs> um, and it was really hard. And it still was really hard. I mean, even after adoption, things are... It's still hard. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the support and everything has been great. Um, as far as helping out, I think at the um, at the conference I was at, they were talking about a group that had started in California, and it was it was as simple as like just being on an email list mm. of like. Um, this family or this foster family or this child needs something, mm-hmm. it was, whether it was to keep them out of the system or a child going into the system. Um, and they would just send out an email, and whoever could answer that, like, need, like need right, mm-hmm. um, would just email back. And that was, I just thought that was, like, such a great way to, mm-hmm. like, be able to help. Right. But not feel like like you're not having to do something every day or every right. week or like right. mm-hmm. it's just like if you can help you help and if right. you if that's not something you could do that week maybe next week you'll be able to help. Right. Um, so it was pretty cool to so see so create how that like worked. an email list because yeah. I assume you shouldn't put stuff out on Facebook because no. we have the Facebook group but no, you wouldn't want to put that kind of thing out <laughs> no. there. Yeah. No. I mean, th- I guess that's. Specific, like child specific you can't put anything on right. Facebook but yeah I guess you could probably have a Facebook page and just leave like the details out yeah. and just say this is a need yeah um like you could personal message them right details I guess yeah DM them so, back yeah, if you... you could do a Facebook page yeah but that's a great I idea it was pretty cool that made it or even like I think they could put like like this person is in need of someone watching this child for a few hours or whatever. Right. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's that probably yeah. really important. Having someone to like call if you have a doctor's appointment and mm-hmm. you don't want to bring the child that might bounce off the walls right, to right, the doctor's right. appointment. So that kind of stuff. Yeah, Horizon has been huge for me. Mm-hmm. Just even getting into it and not having any idea of how to mm-hmm. go about it being out of state mm-hmm. and having things totally different. Yeah, that is different. Um, and just totally having a crisis of what I thought my life was supposed to look like and being able to talk to people who don't just have spiritual platitudes about it, mm-hmm. but have legit experience. And I think everyone in my family that I love, and they love Jesus so much, wanted us to keep those girls and make it work and do what we had to but it definitely took people being real with us mm-hmm. and asking me hard questions and different things to really feel like okay is this best or is this not um so there's been a lot of spiritual guidance spiritual prayers over everything mm-hmm. um and just so much practical with the meals that was huge. And when I send out texts for prayers and people are like, oh my gosh, 
uh, do you need clothes? And I'm like, yes, I forgot. I only have girl clothes. I need boy clothes. Um, so just other people's brains yeah. being like, oh, you probably need this. Let yeah. me see if you do yeah. has been good. And I think, you know, Big C Church has been doing a lot more for foster care in general. Um, you know, it was rare, I feel like, Christina, for your church to be so open yeah. about it back then. And now I just feel like, you know, there's a lot of, like, Hollywood influence now and, like, instant family and mm-hmm. stuff, like, movies sure. that are coming out about foster care. Um, and people are being more outspoken. But, like, even a local church in our area adopts families. Mm-hmm. And so they adopt mm-hmm. the family to hopefully prevent the hardship mm-hmm. that would spiral them into um, foster care. children being misplaced. Yeah. So it's even, like, church is seeing these things mm-hmm. and seeing the heart of these things. Um, and really trying to meet those needs. So I think we're, a lot of the people in our classes were there because they heard something through their church or a couple in their church had done foster care. So that's so great. That's good stuff. How about you, Christina? I know you're just getting started. Yeah, no, I think from the beginning, I'm I'm such an external processor. Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about all the things (laughs) and I'm going to discover more things as I'm talking about yeah, all the yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And I think the amount of women and friends who sincerely ask, where mm-hmm. are you in the process? How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Has been extraordinary. For someone who wants to talk about it and wants to share, it's right. encouraging, it's life-giving. Right. Have you read this book? Right, have you read <laughs> all this these book? Things? Let me <laughs> drop this book off at your house. Um, and I know Horizon did the foster care like information like session mm-hmm. and it was just so mm-hmm. neat to meet with people who were were on all spectrum you know uh, you know phases of the spectrum of yes we're doing this I'm just interested and it was just so neat I feel like for people to be transparent mm-hmm. I feel like just like anything you see the people doing it and you think well they've got it all together and they're the ones saying we have no <laughs> idea what we're doing welcome <laughs> to the table yeah. so much and I think Join that that transparency in a church is really refreshing Mm -hmm. so I think in some ways I appreciate that we've done that but even more like taking a step further and letting this be like a regular thing or I know when I was when we were taking our class there were people in the class who their questions were well what do we do if we get like a gender and we don't have any uh, anything for them and I'm thinking like man there's like 18 moms I could call yeah but I get what you're saying Nikki about having a list of people who want to serve. I feel like so many people have said to me, oh, I could never do that. But like, what can we do to help you? And I'm like, I don't really know yet. Like, just ask me, I guess. Thank you for caring, for considering. So I think, yeah, finding more tangible ways for people to plug in. So maybe I know there's a, um, like a text change with all the moms. Right. Right? (laughs) Yes. Um, But maybe to have it expand that a little bit, add yeah. that into like an email list if yeah. anybody could access and get help for different things. I feel like that group is like the moms who are like yeah. mom in it right now. I mean, yeah. we're at home with our kids in yeah. diapers. But there's a whole... You need some of us outside of that to jump right. in when you need help. To breathe life into Right, the... right, right. Yeah. That's so great. What great stories. I'm so proud of all of you. What is feeding your soul right now? How are you getting through all this? 
I want to be real transparent. Yeah. School just started, <laughs> and praise Jesus, we are back on a routine. There you go. I feel like I thrive on a routine. I love the summer. Yeah. But um, I'm part of a Bible study that meets through, you know, Bible study fellowship right. for a lot of us who do that. And having the routine is is life-giving to me. Sure. Um, having that accountability with you know, prayer and, and ladies and growing in, in scripture is um, really where it's at right now right. with this fall and entering into, you know, what it's a busy season but feels almost manageable because of the routines and the and the things that are starting to be established. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Community is really yeah. it for me and just... Um, you know, we we got married, moved to Pennsylvania, still commute to Horizon each week because yeah. of the community. Like, we're not going anywhere anytime soon Good. just because. We don't want you to. <laughs> just because this is something so much more than typical. Hmm. And, you know, God is here in this. And I remember, like, Kara and Jen had just moved up to Pennsylvania as right. well. So, like, we have our little, like, three three families up there and like I would have just drowned so much faster without them mm-hmm. and just having those people that support you that just check on you that text you back when it's 11 o'clock at night and nobody else is awake Aww, and you're like yeah. ah, this is what I did today this is literally what happened to me Aww, and just kind yeah. of talking through that um, and now being at a school kind of where I found you know, greater community and, you know, other believers there, they're just checking on me and so excited, like, how's the little man doing and everything. So it is, it's just those other people that are coming around you and being a village and supporting you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's, that's what happens to get people in this situation. You get isolated and you have kids and it's hard. And if you don't have that community to surround you and, you know, lift you up personally or help you out with right. basic needs. I mean, this is what happens, and these poor kiddos get get the brunt of it. Yeah. So community has been huge. I'm just like there's even, like, a weight with the numbers. I remember going through our class and learning there's, what, over 500 kids in Baltimore County alone and 120 families, mm. and just there's this weight that comes right. with when you feel like you're called to step into this gap right and to be able to like talk with other people Mm -hmm. and be like gosh I see that need and I'm willing to step into that too there's so many needs I mean there's human trafficking but it's like everyone's called to a different thing and be able to have people to say oh my gosh these numbers are shocking Mm -hmm. like let's feel that that together yeah yeah Yeah. how about Nikki you, Nikki, how do you, how do you get through all this? I'm still searching for that. <laughs> um, right now it's hope that my husband will stay in the country. <laughs> for yeah, yeah, yeah. Week. Um, Nikki's, Nikki's yeah. husband, Ben, is in the reserves, right? Yeah, yeah Air National Guard. So yeah. he's, he's been gone a lot. But, um, yeah, I'm hoping that school's starting and... <laughs> I'll actually be able to be part of a community again. <laughs> like all those things are, ho- I'm hoping are falling right. into place now. Cause, yeah, 
Ben should be home after September, so <laughs> Good. he's just gone a lot. But yeah, soccer, soccer helps too. <laughs> soccer, yeah. yeah. Nikki plays soccer. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. a pretty good player. I understand. <laughs> so, what's yeah. coming next for you as far as foster care? So, I know, Christina, you're kind of you're going to do some respite care mm-hmm. and then see what happens after this new baby comes. Yep, that's exactly it. How about you, Nikki? I'm I'm in the middle of it right now. So yeah. Like, um, we've had our baby for um, seven and a half months now, and are you are you hoping she stays with you? We would love her to stay. Yeah. She's she's awesome, but I, yeah, I always know so that there's that roller coaster there's ride. There's that possibility. Yeah. So, um, so we'll have court again in December and mm-hmm. see what happens from there. Yeah. How about you, Jackie? So we are only on week three with him. Okay. Um, so he's new. He's yeah. fresh to us, yeah. but he's been in the system before with just different family <clears throat> members. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have no idea right. kind of backstory yet, like wow. anything. So he has court September 25th, actually. Um and we're hoping to find out more things of whether parents have been meeting their goals for reunification. Mm-hmm. Well, mom has been reading. Um, we don't know who father is yet. Okay. Still. Um, so that's always very tricky mm-hmm. of just somebody could fly in, pass yeah. a test, and mm. take the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So September 25th, we'll find out hopefully a lot more things. And we anticipate still having him by Christmas. Mm-hmm. But then, depending on where courts fall, it's only three more months. So he could either be gone right before, or we keep him a little bit into January. So, or we could have him for years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us and sharing your hearts with all of us. Um, I'm sure if somebody at Horizon wanted to talk to you about foster care, you all would be absolutely willing to talk yeah. to yeah. people about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, If you'd like more information, listeners, about Horizon Church and our fantastic community, check out our website at horizontowson.com. We are a community where you will be loved and have opportunities to be loved. Thanks for joining us on the Horizon.